You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. This is Tony Lynn Collins, uh, the TLC in the Legal Connection TLC. Uh, I we usually co-host. I usually co-host this show with uh, Cheryl Jahani uh, on Tuesdays at, from twelve to one. Cheryl is in Cabo right now. She's just returning from her Memorial Weekend celebration. Um, the Legal Connection show is a a public service show that is provided to the uh, I guess, primarily to people in Montgomery County, but we are all over the world on the internet. So we answer questions uh, that have uh, that have to do with uh, Texas. I'm a Texas licensed attorney. And uh, so we are on Facebook at www.facebooklegalconnectionshow.com live. So if you have any questions, go ahead and go to that Facebook site on your phone or on your computer and ask your questions, and I'll try to answer those for you. Uh, you know, a disclaimer is I don't represent you, but uh, I am licensed, and I will try to do the best I can to guide you. Um, we're also on IRLoneStarRadio.com. Uh, so go ahead and, and uh, boot up your computer, if you're listening right now, on, your, on the radio at 106.1 RFM 104.5. Uh, if you go in the house, if you just want to listen on the radio or on Facebook, just boot us up. Today, we have a really, really good show. Uh, it's, uh, we have, I'm going to cover three topics. Memorial Day uh, and the law going all the way back to Moses. I think that's uh, I'm going to tie that into the law as we have it today. And most importantly, a really popular topic is wills and estates. That by back by popular demand, I'm going to be answering a lot of questions about um, what, how you probate a will here at Montgomery County or Harris or any uh, any uh, county in Texas, as well as what you uh, need to do if you don't have a will or if you have a will and you, there's no need to probate it. And we're going to answer some questions that I have about that that I've gotten on Facebook. So um, to start out, you know, I went to uh, Mass this morning and I just felt really compelled to uh, to go to the chapel and find out what I needed to do the show about other than wills and. The, the first thing I picked up was um, Our Lady of Sorrows. It was a new brochure. It's the Rosary of the Seven Sorrows of the Blessed Mother. And I thought, how does that have anything to do with the legal connection? And I realized that really it had to do with Memorial Day. And we need to put our, our the perspective, put ourselves in the, the same spot that Mary was in. She had her son who, who basically martyred himself for all of our sins. And that's kind of what Memorial Day is about. Memorial Day is people that give up their life for their country in service of their country and all people that are in service. And that was like one of the, the most important commandments is serving God by serving others. And, and if you just think back about just Texas independence and how the settlers came about and they, um, they, uh, they, they came out here with the Indians and uh, trying to settle uh, this this completely arid uh, land that had no air conditioning, 
that was, uh, you know, hostile for the most part. And then we had these settlers come over from, you know, coming from the, the east, going west, uh, including the Austin Colony and, you know, Stephen F. Austin and that whole group working with the Mexicans who really hadn't settled this area out here at all. Uh, it was mostly Indians. And they would get attacked by settlers coming out here from the settlers who would sort of cultivate it and fight off Indians and, and establish themselves. And that's sort of in a, in a nutshell, not being a historian, how Stephen F. Austin's colony got settled right out here in Montgomery County, the original 300 in about 1825. And, and it really wasn't that long ago. Uh, 1825 was, uh, I mean, that was, what, maybe 150 years ago or, or somewhat. Uh, we had many people that fought for the independence of Texas and they got surveys of land named after them uh, because of their martyrism. And, and one that comes to mind is the Sieberman survey. The Sieberman survey was named was given to Frederick Sieberman for his uh, for him fighting in the Texas Independence. And is and in 1836, so he died at the Goliath. He was slaughtered by Santa Ana. And because of that, he was awarded a lot of land. And so he's memorialized. His name is memorialized forever. Uh, in our state with a survey, then they went out and they surveyed it. And there's a, there's an area where, you know, he was uh, an area that's established that has his name on it. And, and that was uh, really, we have to look to that. Uh, when we look at our surveys and maps on what the land that we own and kind of think back on how did this survey get its name? And in this case, Frederick Sieberman died for our country. And so we're sort of celebrating Memorial Day, uh, you know, I guess the post Memorial Day for, for that type of, of, uh, of, I guess, martyrism or for heroism uh, for the right thing, for justice. And, and just to, to kind of tie in, you know, what Mary was going through, I didn't even know what the seven sorrows of Mary were, and it was just sitting here in the chapel. And think about this. Mary had this son, and she was just a young girl, maybe 13 or 14, when, when the Holy Spirit allowed her to conceive uh, or asked her to, and she accepted receiving, you know, the our Savior. And just briefly, the things that she went through were tremendous. It, she was, when she brought her little baby in to be baptized, there was a prophecy that, um, that he was going to be martyred, basically, for our sins. Then there was the flight to Egypt. She had to leave Egypt with her baby because the king was going to kill every, all the firstborn. Um, then she loses her 12-year-old in the temple. Can you imagine Losing your 12-year-old, I mean, knowing that it's the, the son of God and you lose him. I mean, what a horrible thing. Uh, just that, that tension alone, thinking about it, if I, my son was lost and I had to go back and try to find him in a menagerie of a, a massive convention, and uh, which, of course, at the time was the Passover. Um, Mary actually meets her son on the way of his conviction, uh, on his way to Calvary. I, I can't even imagine that happening when you have an innocent person that's being condemned and being put to death and the mother having to see this. Um, uh, she was at the foot of the cross while he was dying. I mean, knowing that he hadn't done anything and having to endure that. Um, she receives his, his body down from the cross and then she had to put him in his tomb. And that really is a lot of what many mothers have to go through uh, or had to go through when their sons gave their lives up for fighting for justice for our country. And, and parents, too, not just mothers, but that's what Mary went through. Um, so that was just sort of my Memorial Day, sort of uh, putting that together on maybe why that was what we needed to speak of. But, but really, we have to honor our veterans. We have to remember our veterans and remember that all the way back as far as, as you know, uh, the big book, 
that, uh, that we have as our, our knowledge base for, uh, you know, the most important history book, first printed by, um, uh, I guess, who was the guy that did the first printing press? Um, forgetting that, it was in 1400. The, do you remember, Ethan? Who did the printing press? I can't remember. Uh, I just read about it. Guggenheim. Guggenheim. The Guggenheim Bible was the first mass printed doc, uh, 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 manual. And uh, it was printed uh, in, I guess, the 1400s. And there's a whole story behind that we learned when we went to the Bible Museum. But, but anyway, um, that being said, um, yes, Memorial Day was a fun weekend. And my co-host Cheryl uh, was, I guess, having margaritas out on the beach in Cabo. And I cannot say that I'm jealous because traveling can be exhausting. Now, that being said, uh, the other thing I picked up today in the chapel was, uh, and I really didn't know which direction I was going with this, was um, a brochure on the law that was given to Moses. Uh, and that was the Ten Commandments. And I have my little Ten Commandments here. If you can see it on Facebook or on um, the internet, uh, live, our podcast. Um, and it's all written in English. But the reality is when Moses was given the uh, Ten Commandments. Uh, I don't even think anybody wrote back then, and we don't know what language uh, God spoke, but it was probably in some form of, it may have been in, in Hebrew or uh, like a Paleo-Arabic, but, but the one I have right here has got like, it looks like it might be in Hebrew. Uh, anyway, we, I, don't, I think just, uh, it, it, there's really no saying what language it was in, but it, it's an Hebrew and these old tablets, and we've got it translated into English. And, you know, the laws of uh, the Ten Commandments and Moses really uh, equate, uh, and, and there's a, a close analogy to the laws that we have today. And I'm just going to go over those 10 real quick before we go on to our topic of wills. Um, our, today, because it's a, a very popular topic and I'm getting lots of questions on wills, uh, I'm going to go over again about what, uh, what the, was requirement for a will to be, uh, to be valid. Um, how you probate a will, and what would happen if you don't have a will. And then I'm going to answer a lot of our viewer questions that I got over the weekend about wills. Um, but to hit on just uh, the, the major points, the Ten Commandments, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not have. Uh, it says, this, this pamphlet says, strange gods before me. <laughs> and it forbids idolatry and attendance at false worship and that kind of thing. Uh, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. And that forbids blasphemy and false oaths and breaking vows. Um, remember, the third one is remember to keep thy holy, to keep holy the Sabbath day. So try not to miss church and try not to buy and sell a whole bunch of stuff on Sundays if you can help it. Um, uh, it even says court trials shouldn't occur on Sundays and they don't. So we're holding that up. And, and God we trust is on every dollar bill. Uh, I think that we, we can safely say that, that the state of Texas is honoring that as well as Montgomery County. Um, the uh, honor your father and mother is huge. Remember, we all get in fights with our, and it goes, it kind of links in with, segues into wills and estates. We get in fights with our parents. Our parents do the best that they can. Our parents get older. A lot of times we disagree with them. And then we have some memories of, of things that aggravate us about our parents. But honor your father and your mother. God gave them, gave you to them for a reason. And we're getting ready to go on break. And we're going to finish up with the last six commandments briefly and go on to wills and estates. Uh, this is the Legal Connection Show. And we'll talk to you when we get back. Our talk.
talk shows and music shows are looking for sponsors. Want to expand your brand awareness? Reach the hyper-local audience in Montgomery County? Lone Star Community Radio sponsorships accomplish this. Want to see our stats and rates? Check out ourlonestar.com slash sponsor for more information. Or call in and leave us a message at 936-647-3776 with your questions. Get seen on TV, YouTube, and heard on our podcast, FM, and internet radio. Support your local radio station with Lone Star Community Radio. Welcome back to the Legal Connection Show. We're here on Tuesdays between noon and 1 on FM 104.5 and 106.1, as well as uh, IRLoneStarRadio.com. You can get us on the internet. And if you want to Facebook any questions, we're at Facebook dot at uh, Facebook.com Legal Connection Show. And I will answer any questions that y'all sent to me on Facebook Live. Okay, so to finish up the last six of these commandments and how they uh, relate and, uh, and are, can be analogized to our, our current laws, I mean, the commandments really are pretty much uh, followed by our law. And I'm going to follow finish up these, and, then, and they're very important. I don't want to rush through them, but I want to get to our topic, which is wills. Um, thou shalt not kill. It for, uh, the, this commandment for kids forbids unjust killing. So if you're at war and you had to go to war or somebody's fighting you or defending yourself, that's not the same. Uh, but unjust killing, suicide, abortion, sterilization, endangering life and limb of another or others, okay? Um, thou shalt not commit adultery. And if most people think of adultery, they think of cheating on your spouse. That's not the only thing it is. Adultery can also be obscene speech, impure actions alone, or with others. So, you know, try to steer away from that. Uh, just not good. Uh, that frowned upon in heaven. Uh, thou shalt not steal. There's a ton of real live, real uh, English words that go with this. Not just thou shalt not steal. Uh, theft, damage to property of others, not paying just debts. Don't pay your credit card. That's also, that's also a sin if you've got the money and you choose not to pay, or your rent for that matter. Uh, not returning found or barred articles. And we've had other shows on that. Uh, there, there are certain exceptions to that rule if you find something. Uh, giving unjust measure or weight in selling. Uh, so, you know, ripping somebody off, basically. Not paying just wages. You know, pay your employees properly. Uh, you know, our life is just a mess. You're going to have to answer to a higher authority later if you don't treat people right. Bribery, graft, cheating, fraud, accepting stolen property, not giving an uh, honest day's work for wages. Yeah, don't go in there watching the internet and playing on Facebook when, when your employer is paying you to work because you can do that another time. And violation of contract. These are all considered sins, so don't be doing that. Um, now, and this all, all of it's not criminal law, but civil law. We all know better. We all, These are laws that we know that we're breaking if we don't do that. Um, and, and they're sort of... Uh, I guess, by our statutory law, our Deceptive uh, Trade Practices Act, all the laws in the state of Texas have some direct relationship to the Ten Commandments of Moses. Um, the, the Eighth Commandment is, Thou shalt not bear fall with false witness against thy neighbor. And that includes lying, injury to the good name of others, that would be defamation, slander, uh, uh, contemptuous speech, and violation of secrecy. So don't be spreading rumors about people that aren't true. Uh, just not a nice thing to do. Uh, let's all be positive. 
thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife. That's a big one. Willful, unpure thoughts about your neighbor's wife. Uh, I think uh, King David got in trouble for that with Bathsheba. But then he wrote, you know, 150 Psalms, I believe, maybe afterward, uh, trying to get contrition from God, which he did get because he really felt bad about it. Uh, Just don't go there. Uh, And then the last one is thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's goods. Uh, The desire to take, keep, or to damage the property of others is not a good thing. And so um, I don't know why that in, you know, in this show, I was sort of directed to to talk about the seven sorrows of Mary uh, as it relates to Memorial Day, I guess, and the law of Moses as it relates to the Ten Commandments and our laws in Texas. But somebody out there must have needed to hear that because that was what I was sort of directed to. Um, okay, now, uh, that being said, uh, we're going to go to wills and estates. And, uh, you know, I think the reason the topic of wills is so important and critical and and, and comes up so much is, um, you know, what do you do with, with the things that you've acquired during your life uh, after you die? Because dust to dust, we don't, we can't, we come with nothing, we leave with nothing. And is it really, uh, you know, is, is, it, is it truly right to be kind of looking at what you might acquire uh, and benefit by at, with regard to someone's demise uh, inheriting? Um, you know, it, it, I've, I guess personally don't feel like that's something that you should be hanging your hat on. Oh, boy, I'm going to be rich when, you know, old Aunt Mildred dies or when my parents die or whatever. So just don't really go there. If if people can choose to do with what they want, with what they acquired in life. And, and you know, I think a, a good uh, a good verse to look at uh, and going back to the Bible, of course, because that's just the big book, the book where I, I go to for all the answers is uh, Ecclesiastes is a book that uh, was written uh, allegedly by Solomon, who was the wisest man ever born in his old age, somewhere between 250 BC and 950 BC. And I don't know, you know, that's what Wikipedia says. There's not really, there's no really telling. But but Solomon actually lived, um, I believe, in uh, about 950 BC. And um, anyway, the book really is just a book that was written in the Bible, and it, it contemplates uh, from a person's standpoint what the meaning of life is. And it's one of the more negative books, actually, but it's, it's packed, chuck full of really important stuff. And the very first verse is uh, vanities of vanities. All things are vanity. All things in life are vanity because we come from nothing and we go to nothing. And uh, Greek is actually—Ecclesiastes uh, is actually Greek for— the preacher. So somebody way back in the day, and it was written in Greek, uh, wrote this book to try to answer that question. Um, what is the meaning of life? And, you know, what is a vanity? And uh, we are, uh, there's a time to be born and a time to die. And again, it's the very first verse in that book is a vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Um, so does life have any meaning? The particular needing question pops up when we hit a crisis, a season of desperation, a time of change, when someone dies. And the Bible, as the big answer book, um, in and of itself, kind of answers these questions, but really doesn't. It kind of leaves it open. Um, the reading itself in this book gives us a few key lines. Uh, and the book is actually said it's written by Kohileth, and that's sort of a Mark Twain name for Solomon is what they're saying. But we don't know because we didn't live there and we don't have any actual witnesses, as an attorney would put it, to say who actually wrote it. But um, that being said... Um, 
the uh, the questioning nature of the book makes it an incredibly valuable book in our era. Uh, Herman Melville asserts in his book Moby, Moby Dick that the, it's the truest book of all the Bible is Ecclesiastes because it really talks about um, our search for the meaning of life. And we search high and low for answers to the gnawing fear inside of us that we're all alone, that all of life is useless, useless, and we'll just end up six feet under and no one will remember us, which kind of goes back to the survey I was talking about. When somebody dies and there's a survey or there's a building, then people remember that as a memorialization, just like Memorial Day. So it all kind of ties together. Um, but people will fear that uh, that that there's no, that no one's going to remember them. There's really no answer. And and the fact is that we, we are all searching for meaning in this lifetime. And you know, I didn't ever take philosophy in college, but I think I get up, you know, in the morning when I'm feeling kind of, you know, if I've got too much on my plate or if I don't know how things are going to go and I, I wonder what God wants me to do that day. Uh, there's always some kind of, you know, I always question that. And it's a question that comes to me every day. And and so uh, I guess I will just read one verse from Ecclesiastes that's kind of important. What has a man from all of his toil and strain with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of pain, and his work is a vexation. Even in light of his, even in the night, his mind does not rest. This is all vanity. And so, this kind of goes to why are we worrying about, you know, what somebody has or what we have to give, and you know, will we ever be remembered? I mean, Jesus is remembered, obviously, because it was such an important event that God sent His Son, and we have all those witnesses. But I will say this, and then we're going to turn straight to our questions about wills, because it does relate to it, about property and what we acquire in our lifetime and what the meaning of life is and how hard we strive and what we do with our with the things that we have after we pass. And what does God want us to do with that? Okay, so the answer is, and, and, and actually I'll, I'll quote Shakespeare also here from Macbeth, a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifies nothing. Okay, from the low point of our desperation, we can turn to God, seeking that the answers for our longing for the meaning of his word and his son and the sacraments. We will find that life is far from solipsistic and um, hard word to pronounce, and which really kind of means, uh, I believe it means meaningless. Instead, we are made, and this is really, really the whole point of even this radio show by serving others. We are made beautiful by uh, beautiful with eternal communication and the ultimate fulfillment of our nature through going out of ourselves in love for God and being filled by him in return. And so the bottom line is here, we serve God by serving others, and that's the meaning of our life. I believe that's what the, the Bible is trying to tell us in so many words. And, um, and really, you're going to get more peace and more enjoyment in life than anything that you could ever do by going to college, by, by trying to acquire wealth that may make you comfortable, not necessarily happy, but... But if you live good and you help others, you're going to have joy and happiness. And I think that's really kind of the secret. And we have got to go to a break. But when we come back, all about wills, all about what we should do, taking into consideration all of this, you know, kind of philosophy today and what we should do with this stuff. I'm going to answer all your legal questions that you give us today and the ones I've had over the weekend about wills and estates. Relax with a cup of joe or your favorite drink for the Conroe Lake Conroe Chamber of Commerce Chamber Chat. The show airs on the first Tuesday of the month at 11 a.m. 
on Lone Star Community Radio. Join hosts Courtney Galley and Brian Bondi as they chat about the Chamber's events and programs for the month and invite Chamber members into the studio to talk about their upcoming events and businesses. Learn about your Chamber with Chamber Chat every first Tuesday at 11 a.m. Collins, that's the TLC in the Legal Connection, the TLC show, and we are on the air from noon to one every Tuesday to answer your legal questions. Today's topic, and I kind of got off a little bit on Memorial Day and sort of the meaning of life and, and our possessions in this lifetime, but our topic all ties back to Memorial Days and wills, and um, you can Facebook us on facebook.com Legal Connection Show. And uh, I'll answer your questions live on the air. And Ethan, our station manager, basically told me that we have a couple of questions. And what are those? Um, the first one is from uh, Brooke L. Brooke L. Sorry, I'm terrible at pronouncing names. Um, so they say, how can I get a piece of land surveyed with my name on it? Okay. Okay, so we have a listener that wants a survey of land to memorialize this person uh, in the, the, the state of Texas and, and for the, uh, I guess, the eternity of our historic records. And uh, the way that works is, uh, as, as the way it worked in uh, when, when Texas was first surveyed and we were made a republic, uh, people uh, acquired land by various means, and that was settling it, uh, you know, making an agreement with Santa Ana, which we know how that went. And uh, part of those agreements were upheld by the Republic of Texas after this, uh, the the independence uh, was won by our, our uh, you know, heroic uh, settlers that went out there and fought for our independence. And then when we became a state, and, and basically how that works is uh, people that came with the, uh, the uh, that came with Stephen F. Austin to settle in the Austin colony got surveys of land through Santa Ana through a contract. And uh, after a certain period of time, that particular land was denoted by actual surveyors. Yes, back in the early 1800s, there were people. They weren't like dummies or anything. They were very, very intelligent. Uh, they came through and they were surveyors as at for a living that came in and they would actually walk the land by foot and survey a, a particular share of land. And in the case of uh, Stephen F. Austin, they were, the, the settlers would get one league or whatever number of uh, amount of acres that was. And one league was, and I forget the exact number, I think it was like 4,400 some odd acres and it was surveyed on land. And then uh, that was that would establish the boundaries and it got their name on it. So, so for an example, the James Hodge survey, he was really a person. Frederick Severin person, really a person. David Thomas survey, really a person. Um, all of these surveys that you see on a map, when you go look at a map of Texas, were real people and they really didn't li live that long ago. Um, so that being said, uh, to answer your question, if you wanted a survey, you'd have to find a vacancy in the state of Texas where there was land that wasn't covered uh, by an actual survey. And you could go to the place where these records are kept, which is the Texas General Land Office, and try to see if maybe those surveys were wrong. And it's unlikely at this point that the Texas General Land Office uh, would, there would be a vacancy in an actual survey. And those surveys are are pretty much, that's historic. They, they do not get replaced. They are not wiped out. Once a survey is done, that's like the, you know, it's established by meets and bounds on the ground and short of a conflict, and they, they did no conflict surveys back in the 1800s also, 
uh, it's going to be hard to find uh, a vacancy in the land. Uh, but but if you want to get a survey in your name, I suppose there may be some ability for you to find a vacancy. Uh, I doubt that you'll be able to get a survey in your name by petitioning the state. I don't think there's any law for that. Uh, but look for a vacancy. That would be the answer to your question. We have another question from Francesca, and this kind of leads up to what you're going to, going to be talking about. Uh, says, can you please explain holographic wills? Okay. And I know Francesca. <laughs> Francesca is like my best friend ever. So I'm going to give a shout out to Francesca De Lavani Cartafalsa Miranda. Uh, and and I'm her, her uh, I guess, listening other uh, wants to be Fran's best friend, but I think I'm her best friend. I'm her best friend. Uh, answered Anna DeWinter. Uh, and she did have a question for me over the weekend because we were discussing it about holographic wills. And as we discussed on a previous show, I love holographic wills. They're my, I think that they are really the best form of, of identifying where you want your property to go because a holographic will is a handwritten will and they are valid in Texas. And the reason I like them is because it's in the person's handwriting. You don't have to go through the little will and estate stance that you have to go through and at an attorney's office to make sure that it's signed properly and witnessed properly and all that. Although you can, and that's the more common practice, a holographic will stands up in court and it can be as little as a piece of paper that you write on there. Uh, you write on there, uh, you don't have to put the word will. You can say, uh, upon my death, I uh, want all of my property to go to whoever and then sign it. So let's say if you were in a car accident and you knew you didn't have a will and and you wanted everything to go to, say, your son, something that wouldn't be, you know, the, the division wouldn't go through the intestate uh, laws, like I'm going to discuss in, in the next segment, um, then you could actually write down on a piece of paper, uh, you know, while you're sitting there in your car, assuming that things aren't going well, uh, this is where I want my state to go. And that would actually hold up in court. It could be probated. Now, if you do it in advance and you don't want the expense of going to an attorney, uh, you can also uh, write uh, your will out in just in, in, in brief handwriting. Uh, it, it can be as short as you want or as long as you want. Uh, the more confusion, though, the more likely it is that you may end up in court. So the shorter, the better. Uh, you can write it out. And if you're afraid you're going to lose it or no one's going to believe or, no, or your heirs don't know where to find it, or you give it to an attorney who may get, you know, disbarred and moved to Las Vegas and it gets lost in his files. And, you, of course, you have to have the original to file. And if you don't know the original, you have more legal, you know, maneuvers you have to go through. Um, you can actually file that will with the county clerk. And a lot of people don't know about this. And that's why many wills are not filed with the county clerk. And it's called the, it, it, it's, a, it's a, a not well-known statute called the safe, safe keeping statute. And you can go down here to Montgomery County, Harris County, any of your, your county clerks, and actually ask them to to file your original will in the courthouse so everyone knows you have a will. And um, I know that from being a landman that typically uh, anything recorded needs to be notarized. So they may give you a little grief unless you go ahead and notarize it. And and I like that too, to sh because that's that has a self-proving purpose to it. And that means that the person that's getting the stuff that you're willing are, are whoever for the world to know, they don't have to prove up your handwriting if you have a notary so a self-proving affidavit, which you can find on the Montgomery County clerk site, on the Harris County probate clerk site. You can actually Google it. Um, let me see. There's actually a law. Let me see where that is. 
It is, uh, it looks like it's the Texas government code 118.062 is the actual safe keep, safekeeping filing uh, uh, statute. And if you want to have a self-proving affidavit or if you want the actual form, you can go to the Texas Estates Code and just Google self-proving affidavit Texas State Code. Attach that to your handwritten will, file in the county clerk's office. You are good to go. That is going to be probated. Your will will be done. Donative intent will be known, and you save a lot of money. Now, I'm not saying that I don't want people to go to an attorney to take that, that you know, those fees away from attorneys because, you know, that's what they go to law school for. Uh, a lot of times that's what their practice is about. But I'm just saying as an attorney, as uh, doing a service to Montgomery County in the state of Texas, you can, you know, cut through a lot of the, uh, you know, legal expenses of having to probate a will and having to prepare one by handwriting it yourself, uh, putting, uh, just having it notarized and then following with the, with the county clerk to make sure that everybody knows it exists and you're good to go. Uh, so uh, that kind of leads to my next sort of statement that I'll make, and that's about oral wills. Uh, do you, I'm going to ask you this question, Ethan. Are oral wills valid in Texas? I'm going to go with no. You're right. and But you would not have been a right before September of 2007. Oral wills on someone's death dying wish would have been uh, perfectly legal if they had witnesses to prove what they had said um, uh, back before 2007, but they've changed it. An oral will is no longer valid, so you better get that little scrap of paper out <laughs> if, you want to get, if you want it different from the intestate distribution. However, your property will be distributed through intestate distribution through the statutes of Texas, um, if that's where you're domiciled, um, if you don't have a will or if it's not probated properly, which in our next segment, we're going to go into um, what you need to have a, a valid will. And if you don't have one, how your property will be distributed. Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app for your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's community radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That is Conroe's FM 104.5-106.1. Legal Connection. We're on Tuesdays between noon and one, your lunch hour. You can get us on IRLoneStar.com uh, on the internet, or you can listen to us uh, live on Facebook at TheLegalConnectionShow.com, where you can also message us with questions and I'll answer them. And Ethan advised me that we have another question. What's that question? Can illegals own property? What happens if they are deported? <laughs> completely politically incorrect question. But, you know, um, that's kind of a broad question. People that are here, here illegally, the first connotation you have is that these people are poor and they've come over the border. It could very well be that somebody came over that was very wealthy, say from, you know, from Europe and their, their visa expired. So that question can run the gambit. And if somebody came over here and has quite a bit of money, and let's just say they're here illegally, not because they came over and they didn't do the right things, but maybe their visa expired or what have you. Um, they And they buy property. People that are not citizens of the United States can buy property here. There's nothing against that. And that includes Texas. 
uh, I guess if there was some deed restriction that they couldn't, that might, they might uh, kick into it. But more than likely, that would be found to be an unconstitutional provision and wouldn't be upheld. Now, as far as uh, if an illegal bought property or somebody that's not here legally uh, owns property in the state of Texas, uh, what would happen to their property if they were deported? Well, the property would still be in their name. And so you would have to find them to find out who their heirs were. And that becomes difficult because you have to search out who these people are and um, are where they're located so you can try to figure out who, what their heirship is. Um, if you can't find their heirship and the property was legally owned by someone who is not legal, then after a certain period of time, it would probably fall under the, uh, the escheat laws of Texas, meaning it would go to the state of Texas to be claimed. And they, would, they put like a notice out to find out they, they put a notice out, like, and people should look at that too. If you, you might actually own property and it, and it's, it, you, you have to look in the, there's these, uh, the, tech, the Texas Secretary of State has an area where property that's not claimed is located. So look there, there's a certain period of time that you can claim property that you may not even know uh, that you, you're entitled to. And that includes refunds for electric bills, refund, things that you didn't, we wouldn't even imagine that you had stock dividends. So that's another like public service. People go look at the Texas Secretary of State and look at the area where there's unclaimed property. You may be able to get a little check for a refund for for your cable bill, your electric deposit. And I even found some of my own recently. So I thought that was, you know, that that's a good question. I'm not sure if it was asked in the uh, in a happy life, but it might have been. <laughs> so that being said, um, let's go into our topic today. Now, um, what do you need? for a, to probate a will in Texas. Well, uh, the process is kind of scary. And I have a, I got another client this weekend who had a will and it was told by the attorney here in Montgomery County that uh, created it, that there really wasn't enough uh, property in the estate to probate the will. It would be more costly than was necessary. And so that would, if you don't probate a will, it's the same as dying without a will. And so it goes into this, uh, this law of intestate that we'll get into and I'm going to ask Ethan to give me at the five-minute mark so I can go over what happens when you die without a will. But as far as having a will and, and not really knowing what to do with it and not really knowing how to uh, evaluate whether or not it would be uh, effective, uh, more economic to go ahead and probate it or just let it, you know, the, the property be distributed as it would be as intestate, you have to kind of go through what it would take to probate a will. So I'm going to go over those few processes right now quickly. Um, you have to file an application with the probate court, and the probate court will issue letters of testamentary. And that sounds really complex. It's not. These forms are in the, the county courthouses and the clerks. You can get them online. They're basically fill in the blank. And if you have valid will and you don't, and if it's contested, this is how you would go about getting the will into probate. Um, following a two-week waiting period, a hearing is held to prove the will is valid, and uh, it contains, and the will contains all the required formalities for the state of Texas, which we were talking about earlier. The holographic will, to me, is just the easiest to push through because you don't have to have witnesses. Um, I had a case where uh, it was a 1981 will. The only the only surviving witness, because the decedent was, was, you know, had also died, the only surviving witness was also likely very old and had a very common name. And somehow I found this woman who knew everything about the decedent uh, she was in her 80s, but very with it. She, you know, was, uh, she under, she helped me get the will proved up. 
You run a problem, though, that this person might have been incompetent. I couldn't find her. Common name. So you want to have a self-proving affidavit, if possible, if you don't have the holistic will. And it's just a good rule of thumb to get that self-proving affidavit, which if you go to our website, I can, you know, send you the directions on how you get to that form. You can go to the Texas Estates Code, Google it, self-proving affidavit, just slap that on the back of a will on, on your um, holistic will, you're good to go. Okay. Um, after the will is admitted to probate and it's determined it's a valid will, the executor takes the oath, the one that's named in the will, and the court issues letters testamentary. This allows the executor to handle the estate, the things that are, um, you know, uh, paying bills, paying the taxes, uh, getting uh, control over the assets and what have you. Um, and Ethan's just telling me I have five minutes, so I've got to run through these pretty quick. So you can you can ask me questions on our Facebook, and our uh, I'll be perfectly happy to respond to any questions that you have. Um, within 30 days after the appointment, the executor must publish a notice to creditors. Uh, within 60 days after the probate of the will, the executor must send a statutory required notice to all the beneficiaries of the will that the will has been probated. Within 90 days after the will, the executor must file an inventory and um, the uh, and then file it with the court. Uh, the court will accept or reject the claims that against the estate by the creditors after this this notice has been sent out of the inventory. And um, anyway, the uh, the bottom line is you got to pay taxes. You got to handle the estate. The executor will get by statute five percent fee for uh, executing and administering the estate. And you know it's not an easy thing to do, but it's it's a privilege. And the person that died appointed you to do that, and that's kind of how it goes. And if it's it's not as difficult as it sounds to probate a will, so don't be afraid. Um, if you have any questions, uh, I, I guess you know I, I don't know what to, I don't know how to quantify what it would cost, but it it doesn't take that much legal work to probate a will if everything's done properly. Now, what I wanted to get to was dying without a will. Uh, dying without a will in Texas is called intestate. Uh, when a person dies intestate, the Texas laws determine who will receive. Um, probate is the process of collecting and transferring the title of an individual's assets following death, just as we discussed. Uh, this includes settling the debts. Uh, for an example, probate would be necessary to transfer the ownership of a home. Um, but you don't have to do that. Um, a small estate's affidavit can be used in lieu of probate in a will when the total assets of the estate equal $50,000 or less, excluding the homestead. So that means excluding the home. You could have a, you know, a million-dollar home, and if there was only $50,000 of other assets then you could still use a small estate affidavit and not have to probate the will. So that's kind of, uh, should be good information to know about people that don't know a lot about the law, but mom had a huge house and that was all that she owned. Uh, determination of heirship in Texas. The determination of heirship is a process by which the court determines who inherits the deceased estate based on Texas intestacy laws. Um, the process requires the appointment of an attorney ad libum, so that gets a little bit more costly than it would be. Um, the court can create administration. Um, if the estate requires an administration, the court may create an, administ an independent administration if the decedent died in the last four years and all, all heirs agree on who will serve as the independent administrator, which begs the question, who are the heirs? Well, that goes to the fourth uh, way that you can, pro you can handle an estate without probating a will, even if there is a will and you'd elect not to, and that's the affidavit of heirship. And that's the one that I used when I was a land man in an oil company. I did this all the time because we were dealing with, you know, millions of dollars of, of royalty going to people that didn't have uh, a will or I didn't know how to distribute it. It was just sitting there in the oil company. And what happens is an affidavit of airship can be used to transfer title to real property. And oil and gas, the estate itself, is real property. 
And there's like a bundle of 16 different types of, of um, ownership of property. It can be a house. It can be the, the surface. It can be oil and gas. Um, uh, but you can transfer this with an affidavit of airship, and then you follow up with a deed. The affidavit of airship is filed with the, the uh, county clerk, uh, as the deeds are. The affidavit must be signed by two disinterested parties, uh, two disinterested witnesses who are familiar with the family history. And that's a very common way of, of getting around the will is, is an affidavit of airship. Now, that being said, I really didn't get into as much as I would like to with regard to the uh, descent and distribution, but I will say this. The laws have changed a little bit. Married people with children, uh, descendant separate property will go, if it's not real estate, one-third of the surviving spouse, two-thirds of the children. If it's their separate property real estate, then it's going to go one-third of the surviving spouse and, uh, and, and with a life estate to that surviving spouse, and then the rest will go to the kids. A community property with the same spouse, all the surviving spouse. That's different. That's changed since the 80s when I was a kid. Now, if your parents die and uh, there's a surviving spouse and they were only married to the same person and had kids, all of the estate assets are going to go to the surviving spouse. So that's just, you know, kind of a, a rule of thumb. Uh, Facebook me if you have any questions about wills and estates. Um, this is the LegalConnectionShow.com. We're here to to serve uh, the community and answering questions, feel free to Facebook me either in a private message or to our website, which is thelegalconnectionshow.com uh, Facebook. Uh, you can ask questions live during our show, which is Tuesdays 12 to 1 at irlonestar.com. Um, uh, and again, this is the Legal Connection Show. Uh, and what I will always tell everybody, because this is a community service, but really it's because we serve God by serving others. And um, just want to make sure that that y'all follow that, you know, rule of thumb, uh, just as we talked about today, vanity of vanities. If you live uh, your life to help and serve others, then you're following what God wanted us to do, and you should have peace. Thank you for checking out this production of Lone Star Community Radio. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station. Don't forget to check out this show and many others across the Lone Star Community Radio network, either live on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, the Lone Star Internet Radio app, or IRLoneStar.com's live audio stream, and on replay on podcast, Channel 12's Our City TV and Conroe, or Channel 21 KVQT in Houston, and of course their YouTube channel. This production is copyrighted and all rights are reserved by Lone Star Community Radio. Have a question regarding this program or other Lone Star Community Radio shows? Want to sponsor or start your own show? Call the station message line at 936-647-3776 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.